Do you remember the first time you prayed for someone and something happened? I do. I was about 14 years old. I was at a Christian camp. I was walking along a road with my friend and she was complaining of a really bad headache. She had a migraine. She was in agony. She was moaning a lot. And I don't know whether it was the fact that she was moaning a lot or I had great compassion for her. Um, but I knew that I wanted Jesus to do something about it. I didn't really have any faith to see, to, to pray out loud or, or faith to kind of, I was a bit nervous, not sure what to say, not sure how to do it. Um, but I knew deep down as a 14 year old that I think Jesus can do something about this. So I remember silently without even telling her, um, as she was talking about it, I remember just praying, Jesus, I pray that you would heal my friend. As soon as I said, amen, she stopped and she went, ah, that's strange. And I said, what? And she said, my, my headache's gone. And I was absolutely blown away. I was like, I just prayed for you in, like, in my head. I probably looked like a complete weirdo, but I just prayed for you in my head and Jesus healed you. And we were both amazed. And um, it, that moment really blew my mind. It got me thinking deeply, asking a lot of big questions. Questions like, if God can do that, then what else could God do through me. If I pray, if I asked Jesus to heal her head and he did that, what else could I ask Jesus to do and, and he might do? Um, a bigger question, which I think I probably didn't articulate at the time or couldn't articulate, but now thinking about it, a big question that I know I was processing was, what does God want to do through me that I've not yet said yes to or stepped into, that I've not yet become awake to. In our church, in our sermon series at the minute, we're exploring what it means to be awake, fully awake spiritually to God, to our city, to our church, to our world. What does it mean to live lives awake? And today I'm so excited to be sharing just for a few moments on what it means to become awake to the miraculous what it means to become awake to the power and the presence of God breaking into our everyday reality. Because I believe today that God wants to invite us on a journey of growing in and operating in the power of the kingdom, operating in the miraculous, creating a supernatural environment around us where at any moment the kingdom of God could break in. We've been reading through the book of Acts, haven't we? And, and as we've rifled through these pages, it's been impossible to ignore the, the supernatural environment that the early church seemed to move in and operate in. On nearly every page, we see signs, wonders, healings, miracles, deliverances. We see God speaking and people acting. And, and we could do sermons on every single one of those and how to grow in them. But today, I just want to take a big picture share a few really, really simple thoughts. Because actually, what we consider to be miraculous, God considers to be mundane. It, God considers it to be routine. What we consider to be impossible is as easy for God as breathing is for us. It's second nature to God to do the impossible. Let me just give you a few examples of what we see through the book of Acts. It says in chapter two that many miracles were performed by the apostles. Peter heals a lame guy at a temple in Acts three. 
God speaks miraculously to Peter through an earthquake in Acts 4. We see signs and wonders, it says, continue to be done by the apostles. An angel opens prison doors. That is a pretty wild story. Stephen, we meet a guy called Stephen, who it says did great wonders and signs in Acts 6. We meet a guy called Philip who did great miracles and signs and he was teleported. That's in the Bible. That's pretty crazy. The, the Lord appeared to a guy called Saul and Saul became blind. And then we meet a guy called Ananias who then heals Saul's blindness. Peter heals a guy called Aeneas. Uh, Cornelius, we meet, sees an angel. Peter raises Dorcas from the dead. Uh, pr more prison gates are opened. Uh, Paul performs miracles at Iconium in chapter 14. Uh, Paul heals a crippled man. Um, Paul heals a woman possessed by an evil spirit. It says in, in the book of Acts, God did extraordinary miracles through the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and diseases and evil spirits left them. That is unbelievable. Imagine if we did that today and maybe my t-shirt was given to people who are sick. I think they would run a mile instead of getting healed. But anyway, um, Paul raises a guy called Eutychus from the dead who I think falls out of a window to, and he dies. Uh, he gets bitten by snakes and he survives and nothing happens. We see, in other words, we see miracles. We see signs and wonders on almost every single page, which tells us this. For the church, for the early church, for those that followed Jesus in the scriptures, a life of miracles was the norm for the church. It was a normal part of following Jesus in li the life of the kingdom. We've talked a lot, haven't we, about what it means to be normal, to be the new normal. Um, in the news, we hear what might the new normal look like as we venture out of lockdown. But I wanna to submit to you today, and really my one point is that I believe that the miraculous, signs, wonders, miracles, healings, deliverances, in other words, demonstrations of the kingdom of God coming is one of the areas that Jesus wants to awaken us to. It's one of the areas that I think we have been asleep to. And I speak for myself when I say that. About five months ago, I was on a train and I was sat opposite a guy and uh, we got talking and it came up that I was a Christian and um, he, he wasn't a Christian. In fact, he'd been kicked out of, of a Mormon church and really wanted nothing to do with God, but he was very spiritual. And I began to share my faith with him. And um, I, I, I sensed that Jesus wanted to say something to this guy. So I asked him, I said, look, you know, I believe Jesus wants to speak. Could, would you want me to, can I ask Jesus for a word for you? Maybe I, 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 in my head, I thought maybe God could give me a word of knowledge. Uh, for those of you that might not know, a word of knowledge is uh, when God just gives you some information about someone that you couldn't have possibly known and you share it with them. I mean, it's, it's in the Bible all over. And, um, and, and when you give someone a word of knowledge that God gave you, um, it just kind of breaks open their heart and they're like, wow, God cares about me. God loves me enough to, to tell you that bit. Um, and so often it's just a wonderful uh, way for, for Jesus to speak and people to come to know him. So in my head, I thought that's what might happen. So, I, so he said, yeah, go on then. He was really spiritual, really open. So I just stopped and I prayed and I said, Jesus, I pray that you would speak to me and give me a word for this guy. And um, Nearly instantly, two things came into my head. And uh, I've discovered in moments like this, 
I'm just going to share it. The worst that's going to happen is I'm going to look pretty stupid, which, let me be honest, happens most of the time. Um, but I, I, I had two things come into my head. Firstly, it was um, a name, and the name was Barnaby. And secondly, it was uh, a teddy bear. So I thought, okay, well, maybe this guy had a teddy bear called Barnaby um, when he was growing up, and I'm going to share that with him, and he's going to burst into tears and give his life to Jesus. Okay, that is how it played out in my head. It didn't happen like that. Um, it didn't go as according to my plan. Um, so I, I just offered this to, I said, did you have a teddy bear called Barnaby? And he stopped and he was like, so, what name is that? And, and the name Barnaby, I don't know anyone called Barnaby. It's a kind of a weird name. If you're watching this, you call Barnaby, please don't be offended. Um, and he said, what name was it? I said, Barnaby? And he said, what thing was it? And I said, is it a teddy bear? And he went, no, you, he said, you're, you're off, mate. Um, he said, it was a rabbit called Barney. And I went, oh, does that count? It's close, but I didn't really have a theology for it, to be honest. Um, maybe I misheard the Lord. And he said something then, which might have been the lesson of the whole thing. Um, he said, I'm not impressed by that. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, um, I go to psychics a lot. And he said, they're way better at that than you are. <laughs> and, and, that, and I was like, wow, that got me thinking. Um, I, I have a relationship with Jesus, the King of Kings. I have the Holy Spirit living in me who wants to speak to me. We read what he does. Um, why? And I was resting. I was like, why, does, why are they better than, than Christians? Maybe is it just me? And I just sensed the Lord say something along the lines of because you are not awake to what I want to do. You are not awake to what I want to do. And so I think Jesus wants to take us on a journey of becoming awake to the miraculous. What does that look like? Well, um, if you've got a Bible, um, Acts chapter 4, we're going to go in, um, verses 29. Um, this is when some of the disciples are praying. The believers are praying for boldness. They're under opposition, persecution. Um, and, and this is their prayer. Uh, Acts 4, 29. Halfway through, so you read the whole passage. It's, it's a wonderful prayer. But this is what they say. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Verse 31. And when they prayed, the place in which they gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word with boldness. My first observation from this passage about cultivating an atmosphere of the miraculous and, and leaning into the power of God is that the miraculous is birthed in an atmosphere of hunger. The miraculous is birthed in an atmosphere of hunger. Are we hungry to see God move? In this passage, they are under persecution, but they're so hungry for the world that they live in and work in and move in. They're so desperate to see the, the commission that they've been given fulfilled, that they are on their knees praying just for some boldness and power to go back out and, and extend the kingdom in greater intensity. They are hungry, they are desperate, and I believe that God is looking for a people who are hungry for the kingdom, whose posture 
it reflects the Lord's prayer when Jesus taught us to pray. Let, pray, let your kingdom come. I think this is why Jesus taught us to pray your kingdom come. When we pray your kingdom come, we're praying that the rule and reign of God, essentially what life looks like when God is in charge, would be made manifest here on earth. We're praying that the future kingdom of heaven would break into our present broken reality. And when that happens, when the kingdom breaks in, we see miracles and healings and deliverances because they are all manifestations of the kingdom coming. Because in heaven, there's no sickness, there's no, there's no pain. And so when we pray for someone for healing, we're praying that the power of the age to come would come and, and, and meet with their body and bring restoration and wholeness. Jesus taught us to pray, let your kingdom come. Prayer is not just about um, a one-off saying, it's about a hunger, it's about desperation. I think in Luke chapter 18, Jesus taught us to pray like the persistent widow, relentlessly with a life posture towards the kingdom. Jesus said, I want you to seek first the kingdom. And, and, and Jesus' main message was the gospel of the kingdom. It wasn't just kind of shouting the four points in the gospel from afar. It was an invitation to know God and, and be part of his life. The gospel is expansive. It involves seeing the future reign of heaven break into the here and now. He says, are you hungry? But we must be careful what we're hungry for. Many people in the church are hungry for signs and wonders. But actually, we have to be hungry for the king of the kingdom. Notice at the start of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says this, what you pray, our Father. He is the one we must desire. As we seek first the King and pursue the kingdom, we see the power of God move. I love Jay Pathak's talk a, a while back, um, just a few weeks ago, who said, our world today is hungry for the kingdom, but not for the King. I believe if we want to see the power of God move, and, and the Holy Spirit break out and the kingdom come in signs and wonders and miracles and whole households come into faith. I believe we have to uh, reignite a greater hunger for the Lord. Second observation about the miraculous is that demonstration always follows declaration. The end goal is not to see a miracle. That is not the point of the miraculous. The end goal is to see people meet Jesus and be transferred, as it says in the New Testament, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Ultimately, salvation is the greatest miracle of them all. But, um, you know, the power of God, I believe, follows a declaration in this passage. Um, it says, the disciples say, would you give us boldness to continue to speak your word while you move in great power while you stretch out your hand to see, do signs and wonders and healings. In other words, they knew their job was to proclaim the gospel and, and alongside that, the power of God moved and brought healings and signs and wonders and deliverances. Uh, a little bit later in, in chapter eight of the book of Acts, um, it talks about a guy called Philip uh, Sam spoke on this last week and, and Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. 
Philip goes to preach the gospel. And it says the, the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of people and those who were paralyzed and lame were healed and there was much joy in the city. In other words, as Philip and as these disciples proclaimed the word of God, shared the gospel with people and the Holy Spirit um, confirmed it dem and dem brought the power of the kingdom and demonstrated it. Um, it doesn't always happen that way around. Um, an interesting dynamic with the miraculous is that actually the miraculous so often opens doors in our city, in our community, for people to meet with Jesus. People that are skeptics may experience a healing um, when we pray for them and their hearts might just be torn wide open for the Lord. Um, the end goal in this whole thing of the miraculous is inviting people to know Jesus. And when we use the miraculous, when we step out, when the Holy Spirit moves, it so often plows up ground ready for the gospel. And so I believe that as we step into leading people to Jesus in greater measure, as we, as we pray for those neighbours that are around us and ask God for opportunities to demonstrate his power, as the motivation is salvation, I believe we'll see um, wonderful things happen. And finally, the, the last thing I want to say is that this is, we need the Holy Spirit. This is a Holy Spirit thing. In Acts chapter um, 4, after they prayed this, the place in which they gathered was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and then they went out and continued to speak the word with boldness. Church, this is about the Holy Spirit. This is not about us. This is not our, about our ability. One of the many reasons why people don't really embrace the miraculous or try and avoid it is um, maybe because they think they're inadequate or they don't know what to say. They don't know how to pray for someone. I think they're all very legitimate um, reasons to be nervous. I've totally had them or, you know, I've still got some of them. But actually, um, we got recognized that the power comes from the Holy Spirit. The power comes from the Lord. And as we, as we listen, as we step out, as we ask every day for intimacy, and as we ask every day for power, um, I believe that's when God moves and breathes and breaks into our reality. Um, it is a Holy Spirit thing. We need to pray to be filled again. When Paul in the New Testament spoke about the Holy Spirit, he, he writes in the, in the present continual tense, he says, um, keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. Remember, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. We need to abide in the vine. We need to cultivate intimacy with Jesus because it's not about the miraculous, it's about Jesus. Um, so just a few really simple thoughts. I know it's not particularly um, profound or deep, but actually I think if we bring ourselves back, if we draw back to the feet of Jesus in a posture of hunger for him and for his kingdom, as we... Um, commit our hearts to pursue the lost and, and go after the gospel um, and a, a, as we constantly be filled with the Holy Spirit um, I believe Jesus will take our church on a journey of seeing the miraculous seeing the demonstration of the kingdom of God come in our time um, like never before um, how do we do it how do we do this well let me give you a few really quick places to start um, Firstly, I've said this already, but pursue the king. Create space and margin in your days to develop and cultivate that intimacy. Recognize his voice. 
so that one day you might be in a shopping center and you've grown to learn how, how God speaks to you and the Lord might just say, that person over there, just go and say, hey, go and pray. Go and, go and buy them food. Go and do, and, and, and you've learned his voice and recognize his voice and are able to step out. Secondly, know that your assignment is to do this. John Wimber, I think, prayed for a thousand people before he saw one person get healed. And um, people would say, why are we doing this, John? And he was the founder of the Vineyard Movement, by the way. And, um, and, and he would say, well, I do it because it's in the book. I do it because it's, I'm, I'm obeying the commands of Jesus for the church to preach the gospel and heal the sick and cast out demons. That is what our assignment is. And church, I don't believe our assignment has changed. Thirdly, just start small. My journey with the supernatural, with, with the miraculous, really began um, when I prayed for someone's head to get better. It was really not that dramatic. And yet it was, it was powerful to me. Um, it starts in ordinary moments. I heard a story a little while ago about someone on Zoom just uh, had a really bad headache. And, um, and the person on Zoom just said, can I pray for you? And they got prayed for. And um, apparently in a moment, they were almost completely healed. Um, start small. It might be the neighbors over the neighbor's fence. It might be your kids. Um, it might be your, your partner. It might be your lecturer at uni. It might be your hallmate, whatever. Just ask the Lord what he might want to do in their life. Fourthly, always be motivated by love and compassion. Um, Jesus has said throughout the Gospels had deep compassion for people and it always motivated the heart of God and, and it always moved the heart of God. Um, I think we've got to be motivated not by seeing great things or exciting things, but actually motivated by love for the one that's in front of us. Um, fifthly, don't give up. Even when things don't happen, um, I think uh, we've got to just trust the Lord that in his timing he'll move, but um, there'll be moments when you step out and look silly. I think God loves it when you get back up and try again, just like riding a little, a little bicycle. Um, sixthly, famous vineyard axiom, uh, faith is spelled risk. So um, often there'll be moments where it will involve risk. Uh, it will involve stepping out and it will involve you putting your trust and your hope and, and your dependence in that moment upon Jesus. And like, you've got, you've got nothing that you can do in this moment apart from trust him and step out. Um, but actually, as we, as we live in that place of risk, as we step out, I believe that we'll see more stuff as we, as we press on. And, and seventhly, I think, um, live with our eyes and our ears open. Watch what God is doing. Listen to him. Uh, open your eyes to those around you and be prepared to move. That is everything. And um, let, I'm just going to pray quickly now. My prayer is that um, as we pursue Jesus, he might lead us into a greater awakening in the things of his kingdom, particularly as we've looked at today, as we've seen in the book of Acts, a demonstration of the power of the age to come breaking into our reality now. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you are always on the move. You're always about your business. And Lord, we long to be used in our time, God, to see your kingdom come, to see your power break into um, the broken hearts of humanity, to bring hope to the world, Lord. That is what we long for. And so God, we're here recognizing that we need you. We love you. We worship you. Jesus, you are king. I pray, God, you, right now you'd pour out your spirit upon the church, that we might continue to speak your word with boldness wherever we go, and that you might 
pour out your spirit upon the world and demonstrate your power through healings, through signs and wonders, through miracles, through prophetic words, through words of knowledge, God. Uh, whatever it might be, whatever you want to do, Lord, we say yes, we're ready, we're open. Holy Spirit, come. We're here, we're available. Please, Lord, come. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining me, church. Bless you.